Welcome to Worst Bestsellers, where we read about a tall, grumpy man fake dating a small, sunshine woman so you don't have to. I'm Renata. And I'm Kate. And for this episode, we read The Love Hypothesis by Allie Hazelwood. Joining us to discuss this Star Wars fanfiction turned TikTok sensation is D. Ernst, an author who has been self-published, Amazon published, as well as traditionally published. Lucy checks in. Her second book with St. Martin's Press will come out on August 16th. She has written romantic comedy, women's fiction, cozy mystery, and YA fantasy. Her 10 plus years of writing and publishing experience has taught her two things. Whenever you think you've got things figured out, you don't. And although it is about the love of writing, the money counts. Hi, Dee. Hi there, ladies. How are you all? Doing great. Yes. <laughs> so, Dee, you've written a lot of stuff. Have you ever written Star Wars fan fiction, though? Um, No. I, I was writing fan fiction as a child, but I'm so old it was before Star Wars even existed. So, no. <laughs> um. I will say, though, as a huge Star Wars fan, I can sympathize, empathize, not necessarily with this product, but <laughs> yeah, it's out there. Oh, my gosh. So. <sighs> Sorry, I'm just thinking about this book and sighing just, heavily. I guess just, we should do a content warning for the book. Yeah. Which is that there is some sexual harassment and the uh, discussion of the, well, we probably won't be discussing, but discussion of the ramifications thereof and some parental death discussed in this book, as well as, yeah, I guess that's it really. Not, not a lot happens to warrant that many warnings. Well, it's badly written. We can give them that warning. <laughs> I, I mean, that's just our whole podcast. Oh, okay. Oh, to, okay, I got it. I got it. Uh, I do have a treat for you guys, which is I did um, acquire via Reddit the original fanfiction text of this when it was called Head Over Feet. And so I do have the content warning as posted on Archive of Our Own. Love and. That. Content warning, sexual harassment in academia and in the workplace in general is an important issue. And this fic is not going to deal with it with the seriousness it deserves. Please yeah. decide whether you want to read accordingly. Heart emoji. <laughs> and then um, this is the first fic I post that I haven't already completed. I'll be posting as I write. This fic might end up having huge pacing issues or continuity errors, so it's kind of a read-at-your-own-risk situation. Sorry, I promise to do my best. I have added some content warners at the end of chapter one. You might want to check it out. That was what I just read. And then it says, this truly is garbage. And then it has six exclamation points and five heart emojis. <laughs> See, here's the thing. Here's the thing. As a writer of very similar summary content warning author notes, of fan fiction on AO3. The thing is, once you get the traditional publishing contract and decide to file the serial numbers off, you really should fix those things. Yeah. I had no idea this was once just just fanfic. That's very interesting. And then she decided to mold it into a real book without a whole lot of work, huh? So I didn't read the whole fan fiction because I do value my time a little, <laughs> a little bit, a little bit, despite evidence to the contrary. But however, 
Well, I'll wait till we talk more, I guess, about the plot of this one. There are some differences that she did change. And I'm kind of like, um, I think it was better in the fan fiction, maybe. I am so interested to hear what those were. Because I did know it was fan fiction, as did my roommates. And when I was listening to this, I think two nights ago, I wandered into the kitchen while my roommate was making dinner and kind of filled them in on the first half of the book. And we spent a lot of time. I So I looked up um, who the characters were in the original fan fiction because I couldn't figure out who Tom was. And it turns out he's a an OC, I guess. Yeah, he's a new boy. So because we were trying to figure out like, well, who would Kylo Ren's best blonde haired blue eyed friend be? <laughs> we couldn't figure it out. So it turns out he was he's not in Star Wars, so that was fine actually. And it was like we we had a lot of questions about what this was like as a Star Wars fan fiction. And I I, I will start out by saying this, okay? In the realm of f- fandom and the internet and fan fiction and shipping, like live and let live. However, this particular pairing is not one that I usually would have the stomach for. What with one of the characters being, you know, like a space Nazi. A space yeah. Nazi. A space Nazi who killed Harrison Ford. And I don't yes. care for that. I also <laughs> do not care for that. Yeah. So I was already looking like I said at one point to my roommates, I wish I didn't know that about this book because I feel like it's incredibly distracting to be reading it the entire time and thinking like about those characters and like pasting, especially the the secondary characters, like pasting yes. the personalities of the secondary characters from the movies onto these characters whose motivations and personalities really don't seem to at all model their counterparts in the actual Star Wars universe. No, they sure don't. Now, yeah. now, now, now that I know, and I'm looking back at this book, it's like a whole other level of awful that I'm I'm trying to process because I had I did not know that about this book, and I thought it was just like several of my worst favorite tropes together, like the pixie dream girl. I hate her. I hate fake dating. There, I, I why is he nothing but big and good looking those are like every five words out of her mouth reference that but now that i know that it's also a fanfic that's a whole other level of awful so thanks ladies (laughs) (laughs) that is a service we provide Mm -hmm. and the thing the thing is as listeners of the podcast know and kate already said like we're not anti-fan fiction and like i feel like there has been so much irritating like capital D discourse about the Raylo pairing that I am not at all interested in like relitigating because I do feel like yes I certainly understand that you can like ship characters who are problematic and like yeah you you as an adult writing this understand that like the empire is bad but you think Adam Driver is sexy and you want to write about that like you know what fucking whatever I don't that's fine I don't think that's like morally bad of a person to do However, it's like Kate said, it's not a pairing I would seek out and read. And even, I mean, I saw all of the 
the new Star Wars movies. I saw each of them one time and I thought to myself, like, oh, that was fun, I guess. And then I would go online and people like, this didn't make sense and that didn't make sense and that didn't make sense. And I was like, oh, yeah, I didn't, I guess. And like, I just like, I engage with them on the most shallow level and I was fine with that. But even just the amount that I do know about Star Wars, I'm like, this isn't good. You didn't do any of these. Like, as a fan fiction, you did it bad. Like, if these were just original characters i would still say like these original characters seem strange and shallowly built but i wouldn't be like you have done a great disservice to the character of finn and poe and rose like you've like really fucked those guys over i'd be like oh you've got some like weak second characters whatever yeah it it definitely colors a lot of the reading of it and like adds this just like layer of of cringy not cringy because it was once fan fiction but cringy because it's like i kind of like an oh i i see what you did there i see what characters you care about and what characters you don't and what characters you're trying to act like you care more about it it was just i i was not a fan i it was I, I did not like it I did not like it and I am a person who does like fake dating like if fake dating is done correctly you know I'm into it I've got some recs for other fake dating stuff that I can give you that I enjoy but like the the way that it, it was everything about it so I I guess that's why we have a whole part where we talk about what happened in the book so that we can talk about why all the different things in it were bad <laughs> Yeah. But, but we're going to have to agree to disagree about fake dating because I, I can't even imagine any realistic or even semi-realistic scenario in contemporary life about fake dating. I mean, if you're a duke and you can't get your inheritance and your title in 1870 Scotland unless you marry somebody, okay, then maybe you can fake date some whatever. But in real life, I just... The whole thing to me is just so false. I mean, who, why, why would you want a fake date? And if you're fake dating, to be honest, nobody cares. So you could just go ahead and just say, yeah, we're fake dating and nobody's even going to blink an eye. So this, that for me, the whole thing just was just, oh no, there were so many things about this book that I didn't like going in. And then it just reaffirmed why I didn't like all of those things. So yeah, go ahead. Give me some more Rex and maybe you can change my mind. <laughs> I think what is sort of interesting about this is that Olive, our main character, and our Ray analog. If you haven't seen new Star Wars and you don't know who Ray and Kylo are, like, I don't know, man. This episode's already incomprehensible. And <laughs> and go read some Wikipedia pages and come back because I simply cannot explain to you who Ray, no last name is. Ray, no last middle name, Skywalker, I guess. Whatever the fuck. Anyway... I like that she's like genre aware and she's like, oh, I love like rom-coms where they do fake dating and like you, you Kylo Ren don't know about fake dating and that's so funny. And like when I read a romance or watch a rom-com, I am coming with a generous spirit and I am willing to go along with like a silly premise. If you give me even the slightest little like stool to perch upon and this just like threw me to the floor and knocked me out. And I was like, ah, like, help. There's nothing here for me. Help. (laughs) Well, And that's another thing. This was a romantic comedy. And I seriously don't think I laughed once through this entire. And I recognized where she was trying to be funny. 
but it just, it fell flat. There was nothing funny about her situations, maybe because they were so ridiculous. There was nothing funny about her dialogue, maybe because it was so juvenile. But I mean, I have written romantic comedy and I know where you're supposed to be going. And this was just like, oh my God, but it's not funny. I don't know. Did you girls laugh? No. At all? Okay. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, there were maybe a few jokes that landed. A lot of it was just not very funny. Yeah. Um. So the book starts with a prologue where our main character, character Olive, who is Ray, uh, and I'm going to try to remember to say their actual names because as I was describing this to my roommates, I couldn't remember their actual names. So I was just <laughs> calling them their Star Wars names. But also there are a couple characters where I didn't know their Star Wars names. So I just called them things that made them clear who they were in Star Wars. <laughs> so Olive, uh, a.k.a. Ray, is in a bathroom in a lab building at Stanford crying okay. because... Uh, hang on. I... Right away, right off the bat, I was like, I'm sorry, what? Like, I was so shocked when I read this author actually is like a, I don't know if she got her PhD, but she certainly went to grad school for science because she's like in this bathroom and the they're doing like experiments in the bathroom. Like, surely the lab has a sink and they never satisfactorily explained why the lab didn't have a sink. Like, I feel like you could have taken three more seconds to better set up this like stupid prologue. Anyway. Yes. Just to clarify, though, they're not doing experiments in the bathroom. They're pouring things out in the bathroom. Okay. But they're pouring yes. out the experimental yes. material. They're pouring things out. Yes. Yes. Um, actually, as I was reading this, so much of it like makes reference to like science-y stuff. And I don't know anything about science-y stuff. So I kept like being like, man, I wish I could make Sarah, friend of the show Sarah, a geneticist, read this and tell me how accurate it is. But then I realized what a terrible thing that would be to make my friend do. So I, <laughs> I didn't do it. But Hey, Sarah, if you ever feel the need to read this book, tell me about it. Anyway. I have a nephew who is, in fact, a grad student at Stanford. He is literally a rocket scientist working on his PhD with NASA. And his girlfriend is also a physicist, PhD, whoever. And I almost wanted to send it to either of them and say, can you just give me a clue if this is how this works in your real live world where you are right now? But once again, I liked them both. I wouldn't want to do that. <laughs> Having spoken to them and had intelligent conversations, and I once spent five days with this couple, and they're articulate and they're smart, and they don't care about pumpkin spice anything. And I was like, nah. I, I'm I'm saying that these guys really aren't right where they should be. So, yeah, that was yeah. Okay, I the the bio in the book and online. Okay, it just says she went to the U.S. to pursue her PhD in neuroscience. It doesn't say if she got it or not, but it does say she currently works full time as a professor. So she, she's in it. Yeah. So I I guess who knows. Regardless, well, maybe, maybe the terrible stuff about academia uh, is true. Maybe these people are constantly exhausted, constantly thinking that they aren't worth two cents. But if if you have such low self-esteem and such low confidence, how do you even put yourself in this program? 
That was one of my big issues. That I do know is true. That I do know yeah. that like <laughs> mental okay. health for PhD candidates, especially in the STEM field, is terrible. They're treated like free labor. They're like constantly disregarded and like constantly put under stresses and expected to work incredibly long weeks for no pay. And okay, well, okay. Yeah, That's that is yeah. for me. Wow. Terrible. But they, yeah. But they should have a sink though. They should have a sink, yes. <laughs> in a bathroom, uh, yes. <laughs> so so Olive is crying in this bathroom at Stanford. She is a she is there to interview to apply for the graduate program in some kind of biological science. And she's crying because she is wearing expired contacts because she can't afford new contacts. And while she is crying and everything is blurry, a man comes in to dump stuff in the sink because his lab doesn't have a sink and this bathroom is only used for dumping lab stuff out. And he has a conversation with her where she assumes he is also a grad, a current grad, he's a current grad student and asks for his opinions about whether or not it's worth it to apply to get into the program here. And he has some, you know, words that were very meaningful to her about something yeah, he says, like, academia is, like, hard work, and, like, it's not a lot of money, and it's not a lot of recognition, and you just have to have, like, a really good reason for going, for pursuing it instead of going into an industry job. So, like, what's your reason? And she yeah. says, I have a I have a really important research question that, like, I have to find out the answer to. Is that a good enough reason? And he said, yeah, that's the best reason. And it's, like, really reassuring to her, and... She, like, thinks fondly of this man, but she never gets his name, and she never, really like, sees him clearly because her contacts are expired, and so he's just this, like, large, blurry figure. By the way, hey, what if she just went in a men's room because her eyes were blurry and she went in a men's room and then there's a man there? That makes more sense than we have to put reagents in the bathroom. Anyway... So she decides to apply for Stanford. She gets in. We cut to three years later. And she is kissing a strange man in the hallway. And here, okay, here's two things I want to talk about. One, the man's (laughs) name is Adam Carlson. And Renata told me this. Were we, was this when we were at the sushi restaurant? Where were we when you said this? That I, like, I blue screened for a minute as my brain tried to catch up with why that was funny. I think- it doesn't matter where we were. Yes. Some, we were we were in a bathroom dumping out our reagents, and I was like, <laughs> "His name is Adam Carlson because so I Kylo was the, Ren." I was I was the the math uh, equations meme lady for a minute while the conversation continued around me, and then like two minutes later, I went, "Oh my god, Adam Carlson," and I got it. <laughs> Because Kylo Ren is played by Adam Driver, which a car has a driver. Yes. And Sen is an ending for a name. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, yeah. So that's the first thing that I'll mention. The second thing I'll mention is this, is that the reason that she is kissing him is because she has noticed her best friend in the hallway at the lab. And her best friend, she... Ray, Olive, went on a date, a couple, like two dates with this guy. And the second one was like a group friend date. And she noticed that her BFF on 
was making eyes at him and he was making eyes at her and they were clearly very into each other. But because of the this friend code, Ahn would never ask him out, even though he and Olive decided that they were not compatible and did not want to further date. And even though they had only gone on two dates. So Olive has pretended that she will that she has a date with someone else that night to try and like convince on that she didn't care about this guy, Jeremy at all and convince her to date Jeremy, but she didn't have a date. She was making that up. So of course she is, she is kissing a stranger to, you know, convince on that, that she is with someone. And this stranger ends up being Dr. Adam Carlson, who is known throughout the biological sciences department at Stanford to be like a total asshole who's prickly and confrontational and no one likes yeah, multiple times she calls him Dr. Adam Carlson, comma, known ass. Yes. So here is where this completely falls apart for me. I said this to my friends and I asked them, my roommates, and asked them how they would feel as well. If I if I had gone on two dates with a dude, well, that would never happen. If I had gone on two <laughs> dates with a lady and just like didn't feel it and one of my friends did i would super encourage them to go for it and if i went if one of my friends went on two dates with a lady and wasn't feeling it and i super was feeling it like i asked them and they all said also like yeah like why the hell would i stop you from that it's two dates it's not like we were dating a year like it does not to me make any human logical sense that all this would happen because of a guy who she like sort of kind of was into and then decided she wasn't into after two fucking dates. You're not even officially dating by two dates. Like what? Right. And these are 20 something people and not middle school girls, which was for me the biggest. It's like at, at this point in your life, if you don't have relationships with your friends that are stronger than the relationships you have when you're 12 years old, that's a whole other problem for you other than, oh my God, I don't know whether I, I should be dating. The-. I mean, that whole thing just right there, that was my first, this is not going to work for me. Okay. But guys, but what if the guy in question is that like scrawny, redheaded, <laughs> imperial guy? <laughs> oh, that's the one who, when I was describing the book to my roommates, I couldn't remember his Star Wars name. And I was like, you know, like the annoying redheaded guy who's friends with Kylo Ren. <laughs> and then my one roommate was like, Hux. And I was like, sure, I guess that's his name. I honestly don't know. Yes. Because here's the thing. If there was this level of angst about like an Oscar Isaac character, I'd be like, well, I can get it. But that guy? <laughs> <laughs> and it would be like... You know, again, like if this was just a fic I was reading, I'd be like, ah, whatever. If Raylo were my OTP, I'd be like, okay, sure. Yeah, or if it was written like about like my OTP, like if I'm, you know, reading, you know, whatever, and it's like dismissed like that as an excuse for the fake dating, I'm like, yeah, whatever, bring it on. But in this case, when you're making it into a actual like published novel, why not go in and give some stronger backstory so that this makes sense. Like it is totally believable with the way this character is set up as being probably demisexual, although it's never stated on the page that she could have like forced herself into a relationship with this guy for like several months. Cause she felt like she had to be like, there were yeah. reasons 
that you could have had, like, it would not have been hard to stick her in a relationship with longer with this guy in order to make this more believable. But to say like, ah, oh, we went on two dates and now I have to fake date someone in order to convince my friend she should date him is off the wall. Wild. Yeah. The, the circle of friends that these characters are in are just, it's not, they're not very, um, trusting or sympathetic or they I don't even know if they like each other all that much if this is the extent you have to go through these are the hoops that you have to go through for people who are supposed to be your friends I I don't know I'd find another circle of friends to be honest well and the friendships don't even make sense in the Star Wars world because like Hux and Kylo Ren should be friends like Jeremy and Adam should be friends because they're both the Imperial boys and then Ray and Finn and Poe should be best friends, but instead Adam's best friend is Holden, who is the Poe analog, who I really, I had to go to Reddit to confirm that because he's not very well characterized, but he is the Poe analog. And then Rose, I, I like, I'm not mad that Rose is her best friend, but like Rose and Ray don't like really interact that much. And that's, no. uh, that's fine. Cause I'm happy to have Rose who is on here, but like, they just don't make sense. And there aren't even any porgs in this. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Renata. Like, by the way, what if instead of doing cancer research, they were doing robotics and then they could have like cute little robot friends? There you go. I would like that oh, very much. Maybe somebody shaped like a basketball that lights up. That would be fun. I would love that. Yeah. Um, but okay. Are you ready for me to demolish your minds? Sure. When I tell you that in the fan fiction, the reason that she goes up and aggressively fake kisses Kylo is not because of this reason. It's because, uh, like, Professor Hux is is sexually harassing Ray, and so she thinks that if Hux thinks that she's dating Kylo, then he'll, like, back off and leave her alone. And on never wants to date Hux and Hux is sort of more the villain of it. And that's why there's no Tom. Tom is made up for the novel version. So I don't know. Like that's better, right? That is better. That is better. That's yeah. better. And I didn't read the whole fix. I don't know how it ends up and maybe Hux is reformed or something, but that's like the impetus for the fake kiss is that like she wants, she's not dating anybody, but she wants Hux to like leave her alone. Cause he's like harassing her around the lab. And then, you know, Kylo is like, oh, like, he shouldn't be doing that. Like, yeah, I'll go along to, like, help you because that's not cool. That's better. That's, that's better. so much better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The lo- the logic on so much of what drives these characters is it just falls flat. And for people who are supposed to be scientists, I mean, isn't that how they live their lives through logic? They just, their decisions are just always awful and poorly <laughs> unexplainable i mean i do sort of buy and it it is like a trope and it is like realistic maybe that like people who are so busy doing science like their personal lives are just like chaotic yeah like i i could i i wouldn't quibble too much with that especially because there's so much else to quibble about (laughs) but yeah that's like that's our launching pad into the fake dating world yeah, it wow, I'm really mad now because that makes so much more sense than this nonsense thing that I assumed was left over from the fic. No, is not because that it wild. Was so yeah, that is fucking wild. 
Yeah, so she's she this is why she's kissed this guy. He's very like weird and like shaken by the incident, but when she explains it to him, he tells her that he's gonna report her for a Title IX violation because she assaulted him. And at first she tries to give him all these excuses, and then it dawns on her that yeah, she did really like walk up and kiss this man out of the blue. She had thought when she had said, I'm gonna kiss you, is that okay? She initially thought he said yes, but apparently he like made a derisive comment instead and she just like threw herself into the kiss and now she feels terribly but instead of doing this he the next day when when on aka rose corners her and asks her if she's dating this guy who everyone hates and she stutters in responding he shows up and like a 100% goes into the act of like, oh, how is everything okay? And like puts his hand on her back and whatever and tells her that he is willing to help her out with this and also that he has his own reasons for wanting to fake date her. So this could be a you know mutually beneficial relationship. Mm-hmm. And his reason is that like he is like the all-star like – he won the MacArthur Genius Grant, apparently. Like, he's, like, a superstar scientist. Which, by the way, Kylo Ren isn't even very good at being a Jedi. So, like, let's calm down <laughs> about that. Yeah, not award-winning at all. <laughs> but in this world, he's, like, the best science boy. And so he has, like, offers from other labs. And so at Stanford, they think he's a, quote, flight risk. And they have frozen some of his grant funding because they don't want him to, like take his research to another university or whatever. So he thinks that if they think he's in a committed relationship with a Stanford student, then they'll be like, oh, I see. He's going to stick around so that he can like keep making out with Olive and then we'll give him his funding. Now, is that even something that's even a remote possibility? I mean, once a grant is given to someone, can they actually say, oh, well, we're not going to give it to you because that was my first problem with the whole his whole situation. My second problem was, well, what if he is a flight risk? If he's so incredibly brilliant, he'll get grants out the wazoo no matter where he goes. So what the heck is the problem here? But I really, I I mean, and I know she's supposed to be in a doctoral program and maybe she knew and maybe they can withhold funds, but that sounded very salty to me that a, a university would say that or do that to one of their stars. So that to me was, eh. Please find another reason. Well, that I don't know about. But what I do know is that, spoilies for the end of the book, the man from the prologue who, like, helped her and was so large and blurry was, in fact, this man, Adam. And And she not see that coming a mile Mm, away? (laughs) Right. Are you shook? But... She it took her a long time to realize that, but which what we find out at the end is that he has always known that, and for some fucking reason, he's had he has been carrying the torch for her for the last three years based only on that interaction because they haven't really spoken since then. But he's been like, Yes, this girl with the expired contacts, I love her, and so he has had a crush on her. And so when she approaches him, I, I would be willing to like let that go because I think he had his own secret reason, which is that he likes her. But yeah, I don't know, man. But that's a sound. It's just so contrived to me because what other reason could he have? I mean, what, what other reason would he want to pretend to fake date a woman he's allegedly been in love with for three years based on a 10 minute conversation? So, I mean, mm-hmm. why didn't he just ask around in the first place? I just, uh, anyway, 
let's continue. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Look, you're you're taking issue now with the entire fake dating premise, which is fair, but like I would say the fun of it is that it allows for these situations where the characters can like sort of pine for each other and think like oh, this is as close as I'll ever get to be with her because obviously like she's too pretty for me. So she would never want to date me for real, but I can pretend sigh. And like, that's sort of the appeal of it. And if that's not appealing to you, then that's, then that's not appealing to you. But. Well, yeah, I get that. I get that. And I know that fake dating is a hugely popular trope. So that's my, that's on me. But I think that if you are fake dating, you need a better reason on both ends because these reasons to me were just really yeah. very very lame very lame. yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <sighs> so the other thing that happens during this time is that olive gets and here's my the part of the book that to me i was like wow this book all hinges the second thing i should say the first thing is obviously that very weak like oh like my friend wants to go out with this guy who i went on two like lackluster dates with and i'm you know she won't because of that here's the other one is that she Olive uh, has this really great project she's working on for early detection of pancreatic cancer. And her current lab that she's in, her advisor is going to be retiring soon. So she doesn't have the funding and the materials and things that she needs to finish her experiment to the level that she would like to. So she's been looking around for other labs that will let her go and use their facilities and work there for like a year so that she can finish up this project for her dissertation and her, you know, whatever. And she cold emails a bunch of researchers who are in labs who are doing work that would complement hers and only gets one email back. And it's from this guy, Tom Benton at Harvard, who emails her and says, yeah, actually, I'm going to be in uh, at Stanford to do a research project in like a couple weeks. Like, why don't we meet up and talk about it for a couple minutes? And when she tells this later to Adam, he says, oh, like, usually you would have your professor send those emails out because other professors are more likely to read an email from their colleague than a grad student. And... This to me feels like, and I, you know, I'm saying this as a person who, when I go into a new situation or do something new for the first time, I like to have a very clear idea of what that situation is going to be like, of how it's supposed to work. Like, I'm a person who, when my boss asks me to do something, I ask a lot of very specific questions if it's a new project or new idea to me because I want to make sure I do it right the first time. So the idea that this is a very commonly held thing in academia that you know that someone is more likely to answer a question from your and I mean like it even makes sense from a networking perspective, right? Like whenever I want to introduce someone to someone else, you know, at a different organization or whatever at work, I always do the email introduction. So I don't understand why she would not do this to begin with, because her problem now is that this guy, Tom, is the only person who is interested in her research, the only person who emailed her back. So if she wants to continue this particular project, she needs to get his buy-in. And especially, by the way, because her best friend on, aka Rose, is like very involved with um like 
peer mentoring, especially for like women of color in STEM, but also women in STEM generally. And like, she's very, you know, she has a campus group for that and she's very involved with that. And if this is your best friend and her, her big volunteer work is providing this exact kind of like peer counseling, like I know Olive is not a woman of color, but she's like a woman in STEM and it's her best friend. Like help, help your friend out there, bro. Yeah, like, and this this becomes, like, a real, basically, like, the crux of the novel, even more so than the fake dating, is the fact that, like, this guy, Tom Benton, holds the future of her research project in her hands because, in his hands, because he's the only one who expressed interest in it. And, it, like, once we find out from Adam that this is really uncommon for a grad student to just send these cold emails out themselves... I'm like, okay, now like the whole premise of this this dire situation that she's supposedly in has completely collapsed for me. Like yeah. I cannot I cannot turn on the suspension of disbelief for this any longer. If I could, even from the first place, from this whole like I went on two boring dates with this mediocre white man and now my friend is longing for him from afar. But yeah, so so she she makes plans to meet up with him and she makes plans with Adam that they're going to have like a weekly like date at a coffee shop so that people will see them together because there's already gossip has spread all through the department that they're dating and they realize they need to be seen together in order for it to be bought by folks. By the way, Kay, I do just for the sake of our listeners, for the sake of our podcast brand, I do want to say it's not just any coffee shop. It is a Starbucks and (laughs) having, having read much worse fake dating book, the kissing booth, then this actually, I guess, kissing with is opposite of fake dating. It's pretending yes. not today. Secret dating, yes. Secret dating. It's stupid. Also, it's also a stupid book. But if you listen to the episode, you may recall that that episode, <laughs> that book rather, features a Starbucks that is like no other Starbucks on earth, and all <laughs> Starbucks on earth are exactly the same. Yes, uh, it has sit down table service. <laughs> <laughs> Which we did keep calling it in the episode, the sit-down Starbucks, referring to the table service. And it was pointed out to us later that you can sit down at all Starbucks. Yeah, you can sit down, but they won't come and take your order. Anyway, this is a normal Starbucks. And it clearly is written by someone who has been to a normal Starbucks. And I did appreciate that. Like, they wait in line. They talk to a barista. She orders, like, frappuccinos. She talks about how they're so expensive. And, like, when she gets a frappuccino and a snack, then Adam is spending, like, $20 on their coffee dates. I'm like, yes, that's how much things cost at Starbucks. That's how it works there. Gold star. Yeah. This is <laughs> this book gets a hundred percent. It gets a one hundred emoji for its description of how a Starbucks works, which you wouldn't think would have to be a bar. You'd have to to Exactly. If that's the most realistic thing about this book, we're in trouble. <sighs> well, and see, that's the thing, and that's why I think it is valuable when we have guests, because D, you're like, this is the worst book ever. This is so bad. And Kate and I are here like, well, <laughs> the kissing booth. Starbucks works. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I haven't read quite as widely as you. So <laughs> that is, it is a thing that we have discovered, which as Renata said, it's why it's good to have guests because like we'll read books and people will be like, I can't believe I had to read this. It was so terrible. And we'll be like us having read Dianetics. We'll be like, it wasn't that bad. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, so yeah, that becomes like a running joke when they go to the Starbucks is that he pays for her because he remembers what it was like being a broke grad student. So she always orders like a very expensive drink, like a, a fra- usually like a frappuccino with like all sorts of shit in it and a like fruit and a pastry and you know that's her meal for the day and he pays for it and she's like I have no problem using you for this and I do I do admire that about her I do admire that she was like yeah if you're gonna fucking buy me food I'm broke I will make you buy me as much food as possible thanks there you go good girl after a couple of their awkward coffee dates she and Adam run into Tom Benton uh himself it turns out he is staying with adam because he and adam are good friends who work together at harvard which she did not know now and that was something else that i saw coming from a mile away i mean was that a surprise for you because i the minute she talked to him i was like okay so this has to be what his best friend and sure enough there it was yeah, he, he says he's coming to Stanford, and then earlier on, Adam makes a comment about how he's working on a, a grant with someone from Harvard, and somehow she doesn't put this together until Tom shows up and doesn't put really put it together until it's basically spelled out for her. But he goes to give Olive an interview and asks very, like, weird, like, cool white dude questions that that fluster her yeah she's not doing well in the interview because he asks her what's cool about your research and she's like uh like i'm socially awkward and also that's not a normal question but then because adam is also there he kind of like ironically is the white knight and he's like that's not a good way to phrase that like uh, like olive why don't you tell him about like your your variables and like what he asks a good question and then he gets her back on track and then she can like confidently explain her research well yes so tom asks her so it's it's very clear from basically that point on that tom is going to be the bad guy uh, yeah. he asks her very pressing personal questions that make her uncomfortable but she feels like she needs to answer and then he asks for a more detailed report on what she's working on with a very tight turnaround time that's going to suck up all of her free time so she's basically doing more free work for this guy which again like is like a thing that they make you do all the time in grad school but like is definitely set up as a like, oh, like this guy in compared to Adam, who's very like, oh, like your time is so limited as it is. You know, he's very like not thoughtful in that way. And he is doing a talk at Stanford. And because like everyone thinks he's hot, everyone shows she decides to go for it to kind of like win like brownie points with him. Because at this point, she thinks he's the only answer to her future in research. But like all of these other people are there because he's hot, I guess. And she can't find a place to sit and she's with on so on is like well why don't you sit on adam's lap to give us some more space because we're so squished in here in the standing room only which also doesn't it's it's so awkward it's so awkward it's like a full chapter that's just negotiating the lap sitting and this it does feel very ya like this does feel like if you were in high school and you were at a school assembly and you had to sit in your fake boyfriend's lap like it would be so squirmy and uncomfortable and like your little teen hormones but it's like you're like 28 or whatever olive like yeah yeah. it it doesn't it doesn't it's very unnecessary it feels very contrived like if you want to come up with scenarios for them to have to like physically interact in public i feel like there are better ones than like 
a yes. throwaway line about how hot this guy is and it makes the room like standing room only and that's allowed and then but also like all the people magically disappear later because on and other people can get seats further away like it, it doesn't make any sense it seems weird and well, i think that I, yeah because they disappear because this talk is kind of boring and once people like get over like oh wow like harvard tom benton is here they're like never mind i'm out of here and, and also so he sucks i feel like a, a better argument for olive would have been like it's incredibly unprofessional for me to sit on my boyfriend who's a full professor's lap in the middle of a lecture like correct yeah it it, it was just bad it was bad and this scene also once again brought up the fact that adam is obviously like i don't know hagrid is he a giant because all i kept hearing was how big this guy was surely she said how big he was like 10 times a chapter was that I, 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 all I kept thinking was every time she mentioned that in my mind, he grew another six inches until he was just <laughs> this humongous human being lumbering through Stanford. I've Googled Adam driver. <laughs> well, I do think that is like half of the appeal of Adam driver is just that he is like tall and rectangular and some people are into that. Yeah. I mean, I don't understand I've Googled him. He's six foot two, which I guess is like tall, but not like that tall. But for all of us who did not immediately equate Adam with Adam Driver, all I kept thinking of is why is this guy built like Chewbacca? I, yeah. I mean, I don't understand why he has to be this huge man with these big hands and this everything is huge. He's huge. And also he keeps being like, Olive, you're so light. You weigh nothing. You're so small. And she's like, actually, I'm 5'8". And like, if you look at Ray, if you look at Daisy Ridley. Yeah. 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 Like, she's not like teeny tiny, but there is, I think that is also like another like romance trope of like, oh, I want to feel like so small and delicate and protected by this like large person. Yeah. I'm looking at pictures of him. First of all. I'm lesbian so I don't understand <laughs> a lot of this second of all like I mean like again like he's tall but he's not like that tall I think of you know in in whichever Star Wars movie when he inexplicably took his shirt off I think a lot of folks lost their mind about that because he is like he's very broad I yeah I remember I, that he looked like a rectangle I think I wasn't yeah <laughs> Look, this is, I'm as adrift here as you are. Like, often I do feel like I can kind of, like, straight splain. And just, like, he doesn't do it for me. But I, it's fine. I understand that many people are into this. It's just, like, not for yeah. me. I'm, like, looking picture at pictures of the two of them standing next to each other. And she's not that much shorter than him. No, and 5'8", yeah. 5'8 is not a, wo- a small woman. At all. Yeah, and like she will bring that up, and he's like, "LOL, you're so small and cute. That's so funny." But it's like, no, she's right. Five, yeah, five eights taller than me and me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like Kelly Marie Tran is very short compared to him, but she's yes. like, yeah, I don't understand. Anyway, this has been a conversation about a lesbian trying to understand Adam Driver. I hope you all appreciate it, listeners. Well, yeah. I could go on about a straight woman trying to understand Adam Driver. <laughs> <It's good enough. laughs>
Yeah. It's just, and especially when you're in a film with Oscar Isaac and John Boyega, you want me to go look at that man? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Even like 80 year old Harrison Ford is hotter. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Like I can, when I look at a picture of John Boyega or Oscar Isaac, I can appreciate that. Absolutely. I'm like, okay, I understand that. Like I get it. But I don't, yeah. Anyway. Don't understand. However, Olive understands and she's like, I want this large rectangle to like me. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, there's like all of these like points where they have interactions in public that are like forced interactions that are sexy. And some of them are more well done than others there's a point where they're at a department picnic and on is in a tizzy over sunscreen use and like gives olive way too much sunscreen and then it's like oh go rub it on your shirtless boyfriend and like that i bought as a less awkward than the like sit on this man's lap in the middle of an academic lecture that won't be weird but you know of course there's like a ton of those they make such a mountain out of that molehill of sunscreen which i guess is sort of like the nature of like a romance trope of like oh my god now i'm touching it with the sunscreen it like it just goes on for so long and if you're like i don't get it it's so much time to spend on the sunscreen i know and it's Is it supposed to be funny, too? Because once again, this was a scene where I thought, is she trying to make this funny? Because to me, it was just tedious. I believe that we are supposed to think of Olive as hilarious and adorable. I think we are supposed to, like, I think she's giving us, like, Zoe Deschanel. Oh, please. Yeah. I I think that's the intent. Yes, we buy that. I like a sunscreen scene if it's between, like, two characters that I ship. But reading it between these two, like, weird, awkward humans, supposedly, I I was, yes, just kind of like, okay, like, let's turn up. I So I started listening to this book on 1.75. And I finished listening to this book on (laughs) (laughs) 2.5. And very frequently, like, when I would reach a point where I was annoyed, I would kick it up another, like, 0.1% percent or one percent or whatever and yeah so this was certainly a point where i was like this is going on for a long time let's dial into hyperspace to to do star wars there's a bunch of bullshit that they do we we unlock a little bit of tragic backstory olive's mom died of cancer when she was 15 pancreatic cancer which is why she had to cure it adam's parents were diplomats who traveled a lot and like he was like a poor little neglected rich boy and so they sort of like lightly bond over that. And Tom um, makes her do more research again and mm. then tells her that he, she's welcome in his lab. And she's like super stoked, at which point she finds out that Adam's best friend is this guy Holden, who is Poe Dameron, a.k.a. Oscar Isaac from Star Wars. Does not make any sense from a Star Wars no. perspective. And that like they're really close and have been since they were kids And that he tells her explicitly, like, do not trust Tom, like, watch your back around Tom, watch Adam's back around Tom. And Tom, Holden, and Adam had been at Harvard together during Holden and Adam were both grad students there. And Tom was the postdoc in their lab who was, like, overseeing them. And Adam has very good things to say about Tom. And Holden has vague warnings to say about Tom. And... 
And then it's it's time for the biology conference, which they just keep calling the biology conference. And I'm like, I feel like there's more to it than that, but whatever. Olive gets, she presents as a poster and it gets accepted as a talk. And she's very stressed about that because it's like more attention and more work and she doesn't want to do it. And then she's also stressed because she used to go to these conferences and share a room with Ann and Malcolm. But because they assumed that she was going to share a room with her boyfriend, Adam, they made other arrangements. And so now she's like, oh, no, I have to get my own hotel room and it's going to be expensive and they're all booked. And then Adam is like, well, we we could just share a room. And this is one of the parts that I thought was a little funny when she's like, no, there will only be one bed. And he's like, no, it's, it's a double. And she's like, no, there's always only one bed. And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, I'll send you the confirmation. It's a double room. And she's like, oh, you never watch any rom-coms. And he's like, no, I don't. I'm a rectangle. And then... <laughs> And also, I, I in there too. Um, at this point, she has realized that she is secretly in love with Adam, and Malcolm, aka Finn, who I don't think we've talked a lot about. He hates Adam because Adam like yelled at him once or something, and I think Adam like made him like redo part of his dissertation. Yeah. So she admits to Malcolm that 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 they're fake dating, that they're not really dating, in order to get him to calm down because he's so mad at her that they're dating. And she also confesses to him since he knows that she thinks she's fallen in love with him. And Adam overhears that she's in love with someone, but she very quickly is like, but it's not you. Um, mm-hmm. And so he, he knows this. And also at this point, Holden has revealed to her that, you know, oh, it's so great that you guys finally got together considering he's had a crush on you like for three years. And she's like, oh, in her head like that i can't be me that doesn't make any sense even though at this point she has confirmed in her head that adam was the guy from the bathroom three years ago she's like oh it it wasn't me so there's some other woman that he's been in love with for three years and pining after which also was like a very weak uh, yeah just yeah to have her have already made that connection and then be like oh but it wasn't me felt like such a a weak brush off of that i don't know it was stupid yeah that that whole thing with And I can understand how some romance do that really well, where it's just a complete misunderstanding on one person's part and a complete misunderstanding on the others. But these misunderstandings were so poorly done. I mean, oh, yeah, he's been in love with this woman for three years and she can't figure that out. It's like, really? Or could you maybe just ask what's her name? You know, to to solve these these dire situations would have just been so easy, but let's let's not. So yeah, that was another problem, but one of many. It's just it's especially I just if you put two seconds of thought into so many of these parts, you could have made a stronger book, despite the Absolutely. fact that yeah, you know, Kylo Ren is a, a space nazi rectangle but at the so at the conference like olive has to give this presentation and adam like helps her with it and promises to come except that it turns out that he's one of the keynote speakers and his keynote is at the same time as her panel i don't understand any of this like tom is on the panel with her and she didn't know any of these things because i guess like she didn't look at any material about this conference in advance whatsoever I think they they do sort of like lightly lampshade that. And she's like, I've just been so busy like preparing for my own thing. And then she like, she's like, I do feel silly when I see how big his name is in the program, but I just didn't look at it. Like, fine, whatever. As a conference planner, this is my like inside baseball part. Yeah. 
and as a as a podcaster, what irritated me is she's like, I have to record this on my phone so that my professor can have it. And she just like does voice memo recording from her pocket, I guess. Like, babe, the audio recording is gonna be atrocious. You can have had <laughs> you can have had on sit in the audience and record you, and then it would be video also. And like the thing itself wasn't being recorded by the venue. Yeah, you couldn't have asked like the guy at the soundboard to everything's recorded, yeah. Yeah, but like then, of course, we wouldn't have the thing that she needs later, which is, of course, it's still recording in her pocket when after the talk, Tom comes and like villain monologues about her, about how like, oh, he can't wait to like work with her in Harvard because she's so hot. And like since she fucked Adam to get to the top, like she'll sleep with him, too. And, you know, she didn't really think that she was just here because of her research, right? Like her research is stupid. But also, if she doesn't come work with him, he will steal her research because she sent it all to it. Like, it's just like a full villain monologue that she is still recording from her phone in her pocket. Yes, he, like, tries to kiss her multiple times and she, like, shoves him away and, like, is very, like, oh, the only reason you're here is because you fucked Adam. The only reason that, you know, anyone cares about you is because you fucked Adam. The only reason I asked you to come to Harvard is because you fucked Adam. So this is what I mean by, like, her, him being her only choice becomes the crux of this, the conflict of this novel. Like, the fact that he is the only one who who will take her research and hire her for his lab becomes like such a crucial issue for her. And it makes no sense. I just, it's very frustrating. I mean, I don't, how long ago was this written? Because all I know is that every time I read about any conference there, like everywhere, we will not tolerate this. We will not tolerate that. I mean, they are so aware of this happens. And especially I guess in academia, they're aware that this happens and all she had to do was just turn around and and say one word to one person at the conference and that wouldn't be entirely shut down but oh they're never going to believe me oh okay i guess they'll never believe me i'm like honey come on grow a backbone do something i mean the fan fiction was written in 2019 uh, which is a few years ago but i i can believe that a that a like young and sort of naive grad student would would know that even though like yeah it's against the rules like it's still my word against his and like you know I I could sort of see her taking it at face value without the recording but like uh. yeah it it's just like the whole thing is so like the the book's not well paced this happens at like 80% of the way through the book (laughs) Right. And this should have been the, I mean, if you wanted to write, this could have been a great sequence of events that, you know, give her character and, and show her connecting with Adam in a completely different way. And this could have carried through. And instead it's thrown in at the last minute because what we needed more angst. Uh, I, I was thinking that we've, we've already got enough of that, but yeah, this was really badly, badly timed. And the thing is like, we have talked about this before with like fan fiction, like, what an audience wants from fan fiction is just different because if you know these characters and you like them already, you do just want these like nonsense fluff pages of them hanging out at Starbucks and you just like want to see these characters you already know and like just maybe having a nice little time. But 
when you've like filed this off and now they're Adam and Olive and it's like I don't really I'm not really invested in any of them and like now for original characters now this pacing is terrible yeah yeah it's also very like yeah, like I 100% buy that she would be like, well, I'm like a young on a young grad student and he's like a very respected professor and like I know how this shit goes, but her issue isn't even I I can't report it because no one will believe me. Her issue is if I report it Adam will be mad because Thomas I know, is friends. friends. Oh, true. Yeah. Yes. Never believe me over him and it'll be devastating to Adam and I'm like, "Oh, please." Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a weird all of it's very weird. This whole book's very weird. She goes back to her room afterwards and like sobs for 20 minutes and then Adam comes back from his keynote and can tell she was crying and asks her what happened. So he like she kind of says like, "All right, well, I don't I don't want to tell you like specifically who it was, but I heard some people say that like the only essentially tells him what Tom said, but without saying it was Tom, that the only reason I got on that panel is because we're dating and that like everyone, you know, my research isn't good and I'm only, you know, the only reason anyone cares about me is because we're dating and because I'm like young and hot and he's like, well, that's not true. Blah, 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 blah. Let me take you out to dinner to make you feel better. Um, so they have a really weird argument about food in which she insists that hamburgers taste like foot. Mm-hmm. Singular foot. One singular foot. And then they go to a sushi restaurant with a conveyor belt, which is mostly funny to me because Renata, I've never been to a sushi restaurant with a conveyor belt before, but Renata and I were just at one like five days ago <laughs> for, yeah. the, for my first time. <laughs> in the wild. There you go. Yes. Yes. And by the way, the sushi restaurant we went to had a drinks robot and what if what if they had a drinks robot and it was bb8 and the and it was really cute <laughs> yes what if that yes i would love it but they didn't no they eat sushi and then they go to watch a movie together and instead of watching a movie they kiss and then he's like oh like you're in love with someone else and she's like no like i'm not and like they halfway reveal their feelings i do have to take one halfway step back just for my just for my fast family members out there (laughs) when they talk about watching a movie they sort of banter about what's the best fast and furious movie and she's like i bet you're gonna say fast five and he's like yeah it is fast five and i i hate to say it but kylo ren is correct on this issue fast five is the best (laughs) one and she's like yeah but and then he's like, but I bet you're going to say Tokyo Drift. And she's like, it is Tokyo Drift. And I'm like, I'm so sorry. Tokyo Drift is not in the running. Why would you assume that she thinks it's Tokyo Drift? Why would anyone think it's Tokyo Drift? This is this is my issue. Like, we've all got our little issues. About, like, the, the ethics, the conference planning, the acoustics. Here's mine. Tokyo Drift? Come on. Come on. Yes. So they they do they do have opinions about Fast and Furious movies. And then they have a very awkward sex scene. And there's also another like weird reference to the fact that I'm assuming Olive is supposed to be demisexual, but it's not really Yeah, she doesn't know the word, but she describes it as like, I haven't had very much sex because I don't normally feel attracted to people unless I like get to know them and feel like I can trust them, which is like 
pretty much textbook definition of demisexual. Yeah. And it's and it is odd because like, yes, on one hand, she's like sort of sheltered, sort of naive, but then her best friend on is this like campus activist, and it's like you could have maybe picked that up. Like sh- she could have known that word. That's all. Yeah. Her other BFF too, her roommate Malcolm, aka Finn, is also queer. I it's just it's a weird yeah. th- a weird dig- digression that like if it was explored more in the text i think could be an interesting layer to the character but it's mentioned twice once so briefly that i actually when i was talking about the book to my roommates i was like yeah and then there's this like weird thing where like she like mentions like oh like i thought i was asexual but i'm not and i was like i don't understand why that's in there and then when this happens it's like oh okay so clearly what she's identifying is that she's demisexual except she doesn't use the word even though she knows the word i don't know whatever yes here's to me is the wildest thing about the sex scene is that like when he goes to like finger her and goes to like put one single finger inside of her it's way too big because his hands are so big and i'm like i don't understand this anatomy at all (laughs) i don't either I I will tell you, I think I went from 2 to 2.5 during the sex scene because I was like, <laughs> I need this to be over. I can't yeah. keep listening yeah. to this. It's yeah. really uncomfortable. And it's very heavy on the, like, he's such a big rectangle and I'm so small and delicate. And it's like, you're 5'8". And, like, why can't you fit one finger inside you? You need to go to the doctor probably. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, it was, I mean, I I understand that, you know, readers really enjoy a good sex scene but a long sex scene is not necessarily a good sex scene and this was just like i i was listening to it at a regular speed and i think i fell asleep halfway through and then woke up and it was (laughs) (laughs) i was reading it in print and i had to keep like looking off to the side because i didn't want to like make eye contact with the page (laughs) (laughs) it's like don't look at me. Yeah, it's it's not super sexy or well written. It's there's a lot of this like size difference kink that doesn't actually make any sense with how human anatomy really works. And Adam also during the sexing reveals that he has a job interview tomorrow and that's why he's leaving the conference early because he's going to move to uh harvard and work with tom so she really can't tell him about how terrible tom was now because like he's going to move to boston and he wants to move to boston apparently she assumes even though he's never mentioned it before and yeah, and she's like, I can't ruin this for Adam, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And this, I, I will tell you this, I was really looking forward to, like, Boston explaining this part of the book, but they don't talk enough about anywhere they go or what they do to really bitch about things done incorrectly, so. No. I've scrolled down in the document, and I do regretfully want to share a couple quotes from the sex scene before I move on from it. Okay. Quote one. He could fit her entire breast in his mouth. Oh my god! All of it. Oh, I repressed that. Is that good for you? Like, <laughs> what's that? And then he had big fingers. That must be why they didn't fit. So all I can picture now is him like a snake dislocating his jaw. Is that how that works? I, like, and. Well, <laughs> 
Yeah. Anyway, he had big fingers. That must be why they didn't fit. The first knuckle was just shy of too much. A pinching ache and the sensation of damp, uncomfortable fullness. Like, why? I had to oh. share these because you guys wouldn't let me do the sex scene as one of her dramatic readings. And that... <laughs> which is for the best, but... What? Okay, anyway, fade to black. We're out of here. He goes out to his interview or whatever, and then she's, like, moping around with Ann and Malcolm, and she's editing the sound recording of her talk so that she can send it to her advisor, and then they hear a snippet of the Tom harassing her part, and they're they're correctly like, oh, my God, you have to do something about this. Like, you have to report him. And she's like, no, I don't want to hurt Adam's feelings. And they're like, girl, what are you talking about? That's crazy. And she's like, oh, yeah. Yeah, and she does. Well, at this point, I think she is planning on reporting him, but is like, she's already like fake broke up with Adam because like, she's like, okay, like this is over now. We've reached the date. Like he got the funding that he was waiting for. And they had had a drop dead date of September 29th because that's when he got his funding. And that would be after it would be long enough that they had been fake dating that like if they broke up. Like, it would be believable. And so she, like, goes in and, like, pretends that she doesn't love him and that this was just fake. And she is planning at this point on reporting him. But um, first she emails her advisor and asks her to help find other labs to work at, which she should have done in the first place. Uh And that's when Malcolm and Ann hear the recording and... She's like, yeah, like, I'm going to report him, but I don't know if I should tell Adam. And at this point, Malcolm is hooked up with Holden. Right. Um, which is the one thing this book did right was get some Finpo in there. And and Starbucks also, obviously. Um, and he's like, well, why don't we just ask Holden what Adam, what you think Adam would want? Like, instead of just, like, trying you trying to decide what you should do about him. And they ask Holden and he's like, yeah, Tom sucks. And he's manipulative and terrible. And like, it's his fault that our advisor was half as abusive as he was when we were at Harvard. And also that like Adam wasn't interested in Harvard or any other university until he found out Olive was moving to Boston. And then suddenly he was also interested in Boston. So Olive shows up at the interview dinner that Adam was going to with a bunch of Harvard people, including Tom. And when she tries to talk to him, Tom comes over and won't leave them alone. So she just plays a clip of Tom harassing her and then Adam like loses it and starts to beat Tom up and then like. And it's like aggressive in a Kylo Ren kind of way, which I guess some people are into. Yeah, I guess. It's not, it's not cool though. He never raised his voice or got aggravated about anything up until now. And then all of a sudden he turns into, you know. Jake LaMotta on on the turn of a a coin that was just like it it just came out of nowhere this sudden and I really appreciated the moments in the book where he defended her in one way or another I mean I was like at least you're showing a little bit of humanity and compassion and empathy but this was just like oh my god forget it because it was so out of the blue for him to suddenly decide to beat somebody up yeah. So he, Adam, after like everyone like is like, ah, I can't believe you're unprofessional and beating a man up in a restaurant during a job interview. Adam asks to talk to Tom's boss in private and has Olive send him the audio file. And then we cut to like the next day and Olive and Malcolm and Ann are 
flying home, but because they're poor, they have a layover. But Malcolm and Hol- uh not Malcolm and Holden, um, Adam and Holden don't. So once they all get to San Francisco, they meet up and go out for a double date for dinner. And after dinner, Adam reveals that like how all of his meetings about Tom went and that Tom is getting fired and, you know, they're free to pursue their relationship and that they're going to, she found like a million emails after her advisor reached out got like a million emails that said like, hey, yeah, we we heard her presentation at the conference and we would love to have her come work at our cancer lab. So she has like local funding for the next year. So she doesn't have to go far away from San Francisco and everything's coming up. Millhouse for Olive and Adam. Everything's coming up Raylo, I guess. I guess. <laughs> By the way, one other thing I have to share about this. So I I saw people on Twitter talking about how, like, they love this book and they didn't know it was fan fiction. And then people were being like, oh, but now that you mentioned the cover, it looks exactly like them. The fan fiction has the same cover. The fan fiction, like, this is literally, this is not like, oh, she got another cover artist to make art and told them to make it look like Kylo and... Ray, it's literally the Kylo and Ray fan art, but with a different title on it. It's oh literally exactly the same. It's credited by Lilithsor, which is like clearly an online name. Like this is just the fan art. Wow. That's I mean, good for good for them. I hope they're getting more cover work now. Like it's good in that you're like, oh yeah, that's definitely like what it would look like if Kylo Ren and Ray were like scientists kissing. <laughs> it's very definitely them. But it also goes to show what kind of clout she must have had for them to let her pick a book, a book cover. Yeah. As as somebody who has been fighting for book covers for a long time with publishers, for her to just waltz in and say, oh, yeah, and I got this off of Fiverr. Let's use this. And they're like, oh, OK, fine. I mean, that's that's power. Well, I mean, this is hugely bestselling. It was very popular as a fan fiction. It was very popular as as a book. And like, this is another like power of book talk situation that I, again, I don't understand, but it's doing something for a lot of people. Uh, they're making people are making boatloads of money, so good on them. Oh, anyway, there's an epilogue where Adam and Olive have their one year anniversary and they kiss again in the hallway on the one year anniversary Aww, of the first kiss. Oh, how sweet! <laughs> let's let's move on to dramatic readings. And our first one is from, I believe, their first fake date at the Starbucks. And I'll be I'll be Adam and Kate will be Olive. So what's your favorite color? What? Your favorite color. My favorite color. Yep. I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? Their colors. They're all the same. There must be one you like most. I don't think so. Red? I don't know. Yellow? Vomit green? Why are you asking? It feels like something I should know. Why? (laughs) Sorry, your delivery is just excellent as always. (laughs) Uh, Because if someone tries to figure out whether we're really dating, it might be one of the first questions they ask. Top five for sure. Does that seem like a likely scenario to you? About as likely as me fake dating you. Okay. 
black, I guess. Figures. What's wrong with black? It's not even a color. It's no colors, technically. It's better than vomit green. No, it isn't. Of course it is. Yeah, well, it suits your scion of darkness personality. What is that even? Good morning. The barista smiled at them cheerfully. What will you have today? Olive smiled back, gesturing for Adam to order first. Coffee. He darted a glance at her before adding, sheepishly, Black. <laughs> it's very stupid. It's a little funny. Um, but then I'm sk- we're skipping ahead like several pages for just a little um, coda of the scene, which truly made me lose my mind. Favorite color? Damn it. Difficult, isn't it? There are so many good ones. Yep. I'm going to go with blue. Light blue. No, wait. Mm. Let's say white. Okay, white. You know, I don't think I can accept that. White's not really a color. More like all colors put together. Guys, he, he is correct. He is correct about Fast Five, and he is correct that it is unhinged to say that white is your favorite color. Like, unhinged and, like, maybe racist and maybe, like, you're a serial killer. Like, black is your favorite color? Yes. Normal. Fine. Uh, Like, goth. Angst. Love it. White is your favorite color? What are you doing? Also, I I feel like, I guess they're scientists. I just Googled this to be sure, because I feel like in art class, we were taught that black is all colors and white is the absence of color. But I guess in physics, it's backwards. Yes, I do. I do know that fact. I did not know that fact. So sorry, Allie Hazelwood or whatever your name is. I guess you did Google that. (laughs) Allie, you're scientifically correct, but spiritually incorrect. By the way, that just because Ray wears a white outfit that her favorite color is white, like her favorite outfit is white. Her, her only outfit is white because she lives in the desert and that is practical <laughs> for heat uh, deflection. God. Okay. Anyway, the next dramatic reading is we're going to switch it up and Kate will be Adam and I'll be Olive. Won't be able to live up to your performance, but I'm ready when you are. <laughs> Go for it. I'll get you dinner. You're not a cheap date, though. I really am not. I fully plan to eat and drink my feelings. Where do you want to go, smartass? Let's see. What do you like? Aside from tap water and hard-boiled spinach? How about burgers? Meh. I guess. If there's nothing else. What's wrong with burgers? I don't know. They taste like foot. They what? What about Mexican? Do you like Mexican? Burgers don't taste like... Or Italian? Pizza would be great. And maybe there's something celery-based that you could order. Burgers it is. What about Chinese? Had it for lunch. Well, people in China have Chinese food multiple times a day, so you shouldn't let that stop you from... Oh. It took Adam two whole steps to realize that Olive had stopped in the middle of the sidewalk. He whirled around to look at her. What? There. She pointed to the red and white sign across the road. Adam's gaze followed, and for a long moment he simply stared, blinking several times. And then... No. There! Olive. No. There are way better restaurants we can... But I want to go to that one! 
why there's please please adam pinched his nose sighed and pursed his lips but not five seconds later he put his hand between her shoulder blades to guide her across the street because she's a little indelicate she has to be pushed across the street to the conveyor belt sushi restaurant also, I will I will uh, back up the, like, no, do not eat pizza in Boston. It's bad. <laughs> <laughs> but do go to sushi conveyor belt because it's fun. It is fun. And the sushi was good. And the little, those little milk tarts, very good. <laughs> um, all right. And then Dee is going to read us a little bit from the, uh, the end of the book when Olive and Adam go on their double date with Malcolm and Holden, which is... Uh, very inane, as you'll hear. Okay, here I go. Adam tapped his index finger on the drink section. Look at this abomination, he murmured. His lips were close to her ear. A chuff of hot air, intimate and pleasant in the blasting AC. She grinned. No way. Appalling. Amazing, you mean? I do not. This is my new favorite restaurant. You haven't even tried it yet. It will be spectacular. It will be horrific. A throat cleared, reminding them that they were not alone. Malcolm and Holden were both staring. Malcolm with a shrewd, suspicious expression and Holden with a knowing smile. What's all that about? Oh, Olive's cheeks warmed a little. Nothing. They just have pumpkin spice bubble tea. Malcolm pretended to gag. Oh, all gross. Shut up. It sounds great. Holden smiled and leaned into Malcolm. We should get one to split. Excuse me? Olive tried not to laugh at Malcolm's horrified expression. Don't get Malcolm started on pumpkin spice, she told Holden in an exaggerated whisper. Oh, shit. Holden clutched his chest in mock horror. This is a serious matter. Malcolm let his menu fall on the table. Pumpkin spice is Satan's dandruff, harbinger of the apocalypse, and it tastes like ass, not in a good way. Next to Olive, Adam nodded slowly, highly impressed with Malcolm's rant. One pumpkin spice latte contains the same amount of sugar you'd find in 50 Skittles and no pumpkin whatever. Look it up. Adam stared at Malcolm with something very similar to admiration. Holden met Olive's eyes and told her conspiratorially, our boyfriends have so much in common. They do. They think hating entire harmless families of food is a personality trait. And I have to stop there. I really can't go on. (laughs) Yeah. And it's just like, like pumpkin spice jokes are so stale. And this is like a huge amount of your book. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, she does seem to love the pumpkin spice all through this book. God. Okay. Let's move on to Reader's Advisory and suggest some other books to read instead of or in addition to Love Hypothesis. I mean, I got to say, just read Star Wars fan fiction if you want Star Wars fan fiction. Yeah, I, I would co-sign that or any fan fiction in general. <laughs> love a good love a good fake dating, but like a, a good fake dating, a good fake dating. 
Dee, do you have anything you'd like to recommend? Well, as much as I do not like the fake dating trope, Dating Dr. Dill came out in April. And um, it's a fake dating thing, but it's also about um, the uh, Indian culture and there's aunties in it. And um, for a fake dating rom-com, it's actually funny. So Nisha Sharma wrote it. So yeah, I I would say that if, if you're into that trope, this might be a good one for you. Yeah, I've heard that's good. All right, well, we got to move on because we spent too long talking about pumpkin spice, but we'll have some recommendations up on our website, worstbestsellers.com, so check them out there. And now we will move on to The Rock Paper Snicked, which is, of course, the game where Kate says who Dwayne The Rock Johnson would be if he were in this book, and I'll say who Wolverine would be if he were in this book. And Dee can choose which most enhances the book, or she can choose paper, which is to leave the book as is. Hmm, okay, let's try this. Okay. If Dwayne The Rock Johnson were in this book, he would be another professor in Olive and Adam's program or department or whatever, and would give her some very helpful advice earlier on uh, before the book starts when she is reaching out to find other labs to do her research and would be the one to tell her straight up, well, why don't you have your professor, Dr. Athlon, send out some meet and greet emails for you? And she would do that and get all of the bites that she gets on off of how great her project is from these professors much earlier in the book. As such, uh, she would be already wrapped up in, you know, setting things up to start this other project that she wouldn't really even have time to go on two awkward dates with Jeremy and would cut that off at the pass. And that would actually cut all of this book off at the pass as well. Thanks to The Rock's excellent mentorship and advice, we could be spared from all of this. My only problem with that is that if The Rock were a scientist, he would obviously be a geologist, but (laughs) stupid. Um... (laughs) That's our brand, Renata. (laughs) I need to be clear. I was I was applying the stupid tag to me, not to you, but it is like our brand. Anyway, um, if Wolverine were in this book. He would have identified with his keen smells an orphaned Canadian teenage girl and immediately adopted her, which I think would have resulted in her ending up at an East Coast university to start out with so she could be closer to Xavier's school. So she never would have met any of these people because she would be on the East Coast. She also would have impressive self-defense skills and would have learned from Wolverine that there are more important things a man can be besides tall. And so even if she did cross paths with Adam, she just would not be that impressed with him. And so she would just go on to cure cancer and and not have any of these other problems in her life. Well, I keep imagining The Rock looking wise, bending down, saying these words of wisdom and then flashing that idiot grin and then walking off. So I'm going to say Rock would definitely send this book into another level or better yet, cause it not to be written at all absolutely love and by the way if you want to like hammer home like oh he's so big he should be the rock (laughs) that's my moral of the story is if you want to like have a big boy in your story it should be the rock size 
Kate, what's your moral of the story? My moral of the story would be to steal a segment from another podcast that I think it's time to visit the wizard and spend like <laughs> two seconds Googling WikiHow before sending emails on which your entire future hinges. Mm, so true. The moral of this story is to choose your friends wisely. And if they have the mentality of a 12-year-old girl, give them a pass. <laughs> All right, now it's time for Duarte's Corner, where my cat Duarte will share his opinions. Look, Duarte, I said it too, and you're right, and this book should have had porgs in it. (laughs) Yeah, and you know, I do agree with you, Duarte, if there was a cat in the book, it's possible, you know, spending some time meditatively Petting the cat could have made Olive realize the really wacky decision she was making much earlier in the book and put an end to a lot of this. Also, it seems to me that Adam being so huge would have been a cat person because having a little kitten curled up on his Mesa size lap would have been a great (laughs) visual image. That would have been cute. Well, unfortunately, it wasn't in the book. So, Dorothy, thanks for your input. Do any humans have any closing thoughts? Here's my closing thought. I googled the artist for the cover of this book, and apparently I thought it was very strange that the like main side pairing of this book was Rose slash Kylo Ren's redheaded best friend, but I guess that's like a very popular ship, or at least a a ship that exists, and now I feel bad that I have that knowledge. <laughs> why i don't know i'm why sorry you- ship and let ship but that's dumb now i have to go back and watch kylo ren and and what's her name because obviously it didn't connect when i was reading it so i need to go back and watch the movies but thank you so much for that because i think i did enjoy them the first time around it's called ginger flower ginger flower what why <laughs> the ship name for rose and hux i guess or oh this my, was- really? Ginger flower? Because like- he's a ginger and her name is a flower? Fuck off. <sighs> okay, I'm sorry. This That's my closing thought. Is ah! <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that, that about well, sums ladies, it up. I do want to thank you for this. This was very enjoyable. Usually when I rant about books, I'm, you know, speaking into the ether because no one listens to me. So this was really great. Thank you so much. Of course. And if people also want to come scream at us, or I don't know if you are an avid ginger flower shipper and you want to tell us about it, I guess you could do that. We're on Facebook and Instagram at Worst Bestsellers, spelled normally, and we're on Twitter at Worst Bestseller with no S because we put the S in the bathroom sink that we were dumping our reagents in, I guess. (laughs) There you go. Gone. We have a Goodreads group that's best access by going to worstbestsellers.com and clicking on Goodreads. You can subscribe to us on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Amazon, Spotify, all of the places where podcasts are. And if you do subscribe, please take a moment to rate and review. When you rate and review, it moves us up on the charts and makes it easier for new folks to find us. If you don't rate and review, you're going to be forced to fake rate and review us when you bump into (laughs) me awkwardly in the hallway and need to explain that you do actually love the podcast for sure. And that'll just be too confusing for everyone. 
We also have a Patreon at patreon.com slash worst bestsellers. Patreon is a service where you provide a small monthly recurring donation that goes to us to do things like run our website, pay for new equipment, buy these books that are so popular right now we can't get them out of the library, and all sorts of things like that. Uh, And in return, you get perks such as a monthly newsletter, stickers and postcards in the mail, and all sorts of other things. We also have merch available, which is best accessed by going to worstbestsellers.com and clicking on merch, where there's all sorts of designs from our podcast to wear on your body. Finally, we have a Discord server. If you like to hang out on Discord, you can also find a link to that at worstbestsellers.com, where we welcome you to jump on in and chat with other listeners of the show about, you know, basically whatever you want. Can we make t-shirts that say Team Rectangle? (laughs) Yeah, put it on the list. Although I'm not Team Rectangle, but I think that would be funny. Uh, Yeah. if you want to come talk to me personally about being on Team Rectangle, I'm at Renata Snacks. Uh, if you want to talk to me personally, I'm not really on Twitter these days, but I am on Instagram at 14 across. And D, where can we find you on the internet? I have a Facebook page. I'm I'm occasionally tweeting. I gave up completely on TikTok, but you can Find all of that information on my website, D-E-E-E-R-N-S-T dot com. It has all of my little icons to click and information on all of my books. I'd love to hear from anybody. Including your upcoming book, Lucy Checks In, which people can pre-order or get on the wait list for from their library this very moment. Absolutely. And we as a podcast will be back in two weeks with another return to the world of reality television. Oil will be reading Miss Me With That by Rachel Lindsay. How exciting. Love that for us. Okay, Dee, thanks again. Thanks everyone for listening and bye. 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 Thank you.